Hello. I'm coming to you live from a parking lot where the moon is high in the sky in Sagittarius and we also have Venus and Neptune hanging out up there. This is a series called Solo Soliloquies. It is presently the 15th of February, so nearing the end of Aquarius season. And two days ago, we had the Super Bowl, something called the Super Bowl. It is an American holiday of celebrating American football. And basically, you know, what this is, is two archetypes coming together each year and utilizing the corporal form to smash into each other across the field and better understand the interaction. And they invite all of their closest friends and extended family to watch the ordeal. And this year I think it was the eagle and the arrowhead. As all of that began to die down, we found ourselves experiencing the one and only Valentine's Day. And now today, it's the 15th of February, which means that it is the birthday of my namesake. My grandmother, my mother's mother, was born today. She was an Aquarius person and I never met her. She died before I was born, before I was conceived. I think even before my parents met each other. But we do share a name. Her name for the first part of her life was Evelyn Goldstein. Last name meaning golden cup. In German. In Germany, where she was from. And then Germantown, Philadelphia, where she became from. And one thing led to another, and I am here, existing and speaking to you on the very same day, 15th of February. She spent most of her days playing the piano and the organ at various synagogues, um, being of the Jewish faith and the Jewish ethnicity, heritage, background, culture diaspora. She spent a lot of time running her fingers across those keys and creating symphonies. And this archetype of the golden cup and the musician and wondering, you know, where music comes from. So, Aquarius is the water bearer, it's the only human in the zodiac, and the job of Aquarius is to visit the cosmic well, the cosmic waters, the cosmic sea, and to fill the vessel and bring it back, and then distribute it 
amongst the rest of us down on earth so that we too may drink from this cosmic well, these cosmic waters. Now I would like to be very clear that I think we all have access to this water on our own. I think Aquarius takes it upon themselves to be engaged in this process, but I think it's a process that we really truly all have access to in our own ways. So when I think about the waters, I think about the womb, and I think about how when we're in the womb we are in water. And it's dark, and how maybe that's where we all are before we're born, right? When these cells come together and start to procreate, to commune with one another, to create life, there is a void that I believe we arrive through. And that's why I think that all people who bear children are portal keepers. <laughs> there is a sort of portal that happens when we come into this world. So, you know, to think about my, my mother's womb that I was once in and the fact that she was once in her mother's womb and when she was in her mother's womb... By the time she was ready to come into this world, she already had every single egg in her ovary that she would ever carry in her life within her before she left the body of my grandmother, Evelyn. And because of this, that means that the very egg that became me was within my grandmother. And this is true for all. And I think there's something really cool about that. In Aquarius, a lot of people think it's a water sign, but it's not. It's ruled actually by fixed air. That when we are in the womb, we don't breathe. We don't need the breath. There's that first gasping that sends us all into a crying fit early in life. If all is going according to plan, if all is lucky, right? You know, that moment of the first breath, the breaking of the stillness. And the independence that comes with breathing on your own. So when my grandmother first got here from Germany, as a young child brought to Philadelphia by her parents who were I'm not sure what to say about them. I don't know them. But you know, she didn't really know them too well either. Um she was bitten by something called a tootsie fly and came off of a, a boat uh, not too long after they had landed in America I think she was about two years old and it made her extremely sick she got something that back then they called sleeping sickness I think it was the early 1900s uh, the generations are pretty big in my family and the sleeping sickness made her um just very upset and very lethargic and like bedridden quite a bit as a young young child um so you know my 
great-grandparents not having the ability to take care of a sick child in that way at that time actually gave her to a nunnery. Um, So there were nuns in Philadelphia that took her in. And I think this is interesting, you know, watching the Judaism kind of weave in and out of my family. I think that's part of being in a diaspora, a diaspora, um, which is a group of people that share strong, strong commonality and identity and personhood together um, that are distributed throughout the globe for various reasons, often including those of oppression and persecution. Um, And it actually took me until the age of 24 to learn this term, which I think is just um, incredible (laughs) that it took that long. But anyways, so she was living with these nuns from the age of two, and she got a little older, and they started letting her play the organ um, just to help her stay occupied, and it turned out she was really, really good at it. And by the time she was six, she was teaching other children how to play the organ and how to play the piano. I think my mom told me they actually built some kind of, like, leg extension so she could reach the pedals on the organ in the body of, like, a, a young, young child, which I think is very sweet. And she got a little older and started playing in the Philadelphia Youth Symphony Orchestra. And, you know, and I know that she wound up getting scarlet fever when she was about 13. Um, or rheumatic fever, excuse me. Um, And once again, she was bedridden and she used that time to practice ballet from her bed um, to keep herself mobile at that time. Um, you know, so to me, I think part of what this means is that she was so still and so ill and so inward for so much of her life that she got very familiar with the inner waters and the cosmic well and the the indigo of the internal space. I hope this will make sense to a few of you. I think it will. I sense it does. So this is really all I know about her. For the most part, I know she was married to Marcus Connick, and he was a wonderful, wonderful man. I talked about him a bit during Libra season. Um, And I think, you know, it's just an honor to know what I do with my lineage, even if it's not the whole thing. So... I think it's a little weird that Valentine's Day is during a season that is known for being emotionless and cold, which is part of the reputation of Aquarius. Um, You know, this idea of bringing back the cosmic waters, but in very logical terms, in very intellectual terms, um, kind of the habit of intellectualizing feelings. you know, putting study over experience in terms of ways to learn things. 
So for Valentine's Day to be during this time of year, it really makes me curious because when we look at just the regular interpersonal couplings that we see, you know, it's not really that much of an Aquarian energy to me. But when I start to think about what I think love is, as a more general thing. And let me preface, okay, because I am becoming very fatigued having so many people on the internet that I have never met and some that I have and myself even I've caught myself doing it trying to tell other people what love is what it looks like how it feels where to find it the right way to do it and you know I think there's just certain things in this world and in this life that we are not supposed to be trying to give each other instruction manuals about and you know our individual relationship to love you know is i just i just don't know if we need to be on instagram trying to tell each other about that right please know that above all else you're the one to define love for yourself You're the one that gets to decide if it even fucking needs a definition, okay? And I've started thinking about this idea of being in love. And to be in love when I was younger, I thought I meant to be in love with another person. You know, to be in love with another person. This idea brings to mind to me now is... You know, hand in hand, jumping into a lake with another human being. You know, and if that water is love, then I'm in love and another person is there. And therefore, I'm in love with another person. You know, I recently was speaking about how... The universe loves us so much that it individuates itself into other people just so it can love us from inside the corporal form. This was the post that got me thinking about how I shouldn't be trying to tell other people what love means. But also, (laughs) it was probably one of the more beautiful thoughts that I've thought in a little while, so I wanted to share it. And it's not really my thought, you know. I don't know how many thoughts of mine are actually mine, right? So, so the water bearer brings our attention to a matter of vessel. You know, you visit the well with a bucket, you lower the bucket, you bring it back up, and it has water within it. And, you know, when this starts to look like us tapping into the divine unknown and then bringing forth thoughts, quote-unquote, or ideas, or creativity, or... When we go bringing these things back, it's important for us to pay attention to what we are carrying them in. First of all, how much can your bucket hold? Are you bringing back so much at once that it's extremely heavy and you're fatiguing yourself? Are you risking throwing your back out? Are you trying to carry as much as you can at one time? And like, why are you doing that? 
you know i think if i if i tap into the infinite everythingness and i'm like wow this is fucking huge and it's amazing and it's beautiful and i wish everyone could see it and i try to bring as much as i can carry back at once at risk of throwing my back out trying to do so i think all that's really saying first of all is that i don't think other people can access this water themselves second of all it says that I think the water's running out. It's going somewhere. It's disappearing. Gotta hurry up and make sure that it all gets to the people right now. Neither of which I think are particularly wonderful things, but they're important to recognize, you know, what's built into these behaviors. In that regard, when we talk about, like, the quality of the vessel, like, sometimes, too, it's like, are you sharing the information in a way that's going to be received? You know, are you just, like, dumping water on people or are you, like, offering them a little bit, you know? And, like, which one is a better use of the water and which one is a better use of your intention to deliver something? If you care about the deliverance of your message, you're going to care a lot about the tact and it's not going to threaten your integrity to adjust your speech so that the person that is engaging with you is able to hear what you're saying in a way that makes sense to them you know we translate every time we say anything with language it's never exactly the thing so it's okay to be aware of that process i think and just as a practical example for a moment when i say like trying to bring back as much as you can at once what i mean by this is like if every single time that a song comes into my mind i have to make sure that i get the song like recorded so that other people can hear it if every single time i have a creative impulse meet me i have to drop everything i'm doing and do that creative impulse to the point of not being able to tend to my needs and my schedule and my rhythm and not being able to practice temperance within my creativity, this is what I'm talking about. This is the, like, trying to carry the biggest bucket you can, and it's too heavy. You know, it's not... It doesn't need to be that way. You know? And we all have access to tapping that. And that brings me to the third thing. That it means when I have this giant bucket that I'm carrying, right... It speaks to the idea of thirst, okay? And this is something that I recognize in almost every single Aquarius person that I know. This one characteristic I have noticed in quite a few, and I'm an Aquarius moon, I see it in myself as well, but it is this fixation on the fact that people are thirsty for connection with the divine. Okay, but in a way that is fearful of what will happen if they don't get it. And this idea of thirstiness came to my mind earlier this month because I had finished like a beautiful meditation. I was feeling very like connected and just like honoring the moment, feeling really good, really creative. The world was beautiful. There was romance all around me. Everything was gorgeous. The lighting, the flowers, the vibe, the room, the mood. And my own corporal form was glowing. (laughs) And I recognized that at that moment, my body was a sort of vessel for the divine. And 
in moments like that, the first thing that I think, maybe not the first, but a thing I often think is like, wow, I want to make art from this. And I want to share that art. And what that translates to is photography of the self, self-portraiture, a selfie, if you will, and sharing it in the means that is most accessible to me via digitization and technology of said self-portrait, of said vessel of the divine body glowing. And then taking a moment to recognize that the totality of all of that is boiled down to the notion of a thirst trap. (laughs) A thirst trap. When I think of a thirst trap, outside of this context, just when I hear the words, what I imagine is a sort of desert oasis, mirage. Shout out to my friend Neve, I love you dearly. This is not about your gorgeous ability to deliver the medicine of water in the midst of a desert, okay? But when I hear about a thirst trap, you know, the notion of the trap, and make no mistake, this comes from patriarchy. And the fact that it's called a trap and speaks to trickery, make no mistake, that comes from patriarchy. And it comes from the weaponization of our reclamation of the internalization of our own objectification. So I I defy this notion of it being a trap because when I hear the words thirst trap, I imagine men very thirsty walking through the desert and then some sort of like water nymph tricky woman seductress has water in the desert and everybody is very very thirsty and she is just like dripping with the water of life but it's a trap because once you meet her you never get out you never come back and you never get your thirst quenched okay And I mean, that just has misogyny written all over it, you know. But when we recognize that it's not necessarily a thirst trap as much as it is an expression of waters. (laughs) Waters that everybody has access to if they go within their own self. And that we get access to different flavors and types through each other. It's no longer a trap, really, but it's more of an expression of a sharing of a gift, of a radiation, of a water bearing. So, (laughs) in defense of juicy selfies, sexuality being the force that literally brings all life into being. It's not a metaphor, this is literally where we come from. You know, and maybe just allow yourself a moment of like bearing water from that well instead. And we all sip. And these waters are not going to run out. (laughs) 
There is no scarcity when it comes to the cosmic waters, baby, believe me. Okay? And it's no mistake that we are slowly wandering our way into Pisces season, which speaks of the unending ocean. The last thing is the vessel. And the water that will take the shape of any vessel that it's put in. And the notion of the entire ocean contained in a drop. Sometimes we come together with another soul, and you know what happens when two pieces of water touch. And maybe that has something to do with love, too. And it's important, of course, to, like, have a sense of self throughout the process, you know? But I think it's more a matter of, like, a center of gravity and a self-knowing than it is, like, a good fence. You know, I think that mature love is able to do that. But again, that's for you to decide. That's not me. That's not mine. Your understanding of love is not mine. And it shouldn't be. In Aquarius season, uh, the Jewish month that correlates with this season is called Shavat. And there's a holiday during this month called Tub Shavat, which is the birthday of all trees. <laughs> so I picked one day a year, it's the birthday of every single tree. Um, and it happens on the new moon, I'm pretty sure, at the beginning of the season. Double check that if you want to celebrate. Um, but I think that is just so wonderful because, first of all, it reminds me of the roots of the tree and what are those for if not drawing water? Um, and second of all, it really easily helps me think about Aquarius being so connected to the idea of community and the roots of the tree and the mycelium networks that help them communicate and how trees are still in contact with like every seed they've sprouted you know and that is just so cool and shavat in general is a month celebrates the type of growth that cannot yet be seen specifically the roots beginning to wake up before the springtime has had a chance to visibly kick in and this makes me think about the coming age of Aquarius, quote-unquote, this new world, quote-unquote, that we are being birthed into and that we are in the midst of contractions quite violently and gently, you know, depending upon your positioning um, and level of engagement with the process. But either way, it's happening, in my opinion and the opinion of many others and you know the quote-unquote birthing of the age of Aquarius you are coming out of the age of Pisces and into the age of Aquarius because it moves backwards right the age of Pisces began around the time that Jesus you know was written about originally um and maybe we can get into that during Pisces season but this moving from Pisces into Aquarius is all about the vessel <laughs> because like I said, it is like the ocean coming into the water bearer. Moving back towards individuality. The step back towards individuality. So anyways. 
you know, the type of growth that happens underground that cannot yet be seen, I think, is a lot of the work that's been going on in terms of trying to bring in this age of Aquarius. I mean, my god, it's been going on since, like, the 60s. That was the dawning, right? And now the sun's, like, a little bit over the horizon. And we still have a ways to go, you know? But it's, like, so honorable to be here during this time. I commend all of us, honestly. And the networking. The underground networking. And this, to me, looks a lot like the strengthening of local communities happening while the attention is placed on what's happening very visibly up above in our prominent governmental structures. Like, the dawning of the Age of Aquarius is like the growing of the roots underground. And, like, there's some pruning that will be happening, of course, you know, but having strong roots is very important. And that's why building community is very important. And you've maybe you noticed I talk about community almost every single month, you know? And, I mean, honestly, almost everyone I interview brings it up. Everyone I interview brings that up, and they bring up love. And I think that's fascinating. And I am looking forward to what I discover listening to the rest of these interviews. And community... In addition to being these roots, also comes from the word commune. And guess what commune means? It is two cups coming together and clinking. Who better to bring that in than the water bearer? You know, I learned recently that in old times, people would clink their cups together, not just in celebration, but to ward bad spirits out of their vessel of water, vessel of liquid. And it's interesting because if we're visiting these cosmic wells, this void, this totality of everything on the other side of the veil, and we're bringing things back to share with other people, maybe it is good to cross-reference with those who are doing the same in order to dispel any negativity that is coming, anything that comes through that is not for our highest good. Um, and I think also relying on the cleansing nature of water itself, you know, is going to help a lot too. Water is known to wash, but it also holds memory. I fully believe that water remembers everything that's ever happened to it, and I believe that water remembers how you have treated it throughout your life. You can look into Dr. Moto's studies of working with water. If you insult water and water plants with it, the plants will die. And if you tell water that it is gorgeous and beautiful, the structure will become gorgeous and beautiful on a molecular level and the plants will thrive. And this is something called water structure. Um, and Aquarius has a lot to do with structure being formally ruled by Saturn. And the structure of water, you know, when I say that water holds a memory, I think that there are codes embedded within the angles of the molecules as they are connecting to each other. And I think that water ruling emotion, water can become fearful. And when water becomes fearful, I think it clenches. Like a lot of us do. But if you look at it under a microscope, you can physically see it clenching. It will become jagged. It will become closed. The geometry of it will not be open. It loses its fractal nature temporarily. So, you know, some of the things that frighten water, so to speak, are um, being pumped through pipes, being told to go straight up right before it comes out of the faucet. I mean, that never happens in nature. Water doesn't go straight up. You know, so those are some examples. But the really beautiful thing is that 
you know, water also holds the memory of like a time before that fear kicked in. And if you simply allow water to move freely after it has been in those conditions, its structure will return to its original, open, fractal, symmetrical, gorgeous beauty. The same way that it does when complimented and when loved. Um, I actually discovered a, a machine that assists with this uh, recently. And basically what you do is, you know, I'll draw the water into the home and I'll filter it so that it's just water for the most part, just water and the minerals, right? The earth and the water that is supposed to be there. And then I will take one of these vessels and the vessel has a... It's like a vase, and it has a propeller in the bottom, and the propeller links up with a magnet underneath. Aquarius is very magnetic as well. It has a lot to do with electricity and lightning being ruled by Uranus. Anyways, so this face, this vase, <laughs> this vessel will hold the water, and the propeller the propeller will start to spin, and as it spins, the water will start to swirl, and as it swirls, it creates a circular movement that calms the water, relaxes the water, tells the water that it is safe to flow as it is meant to flow, and in this action, in about 10 minutes, the molecules of the water become open and beautiful and structured again, and then... As we drink it, our bodies are actually able to absorb it correctly and it informs our emotional body and informs all the cells in our body and informs the lymphatic system, which is how we move emotions through our body and detox. And it allows the water to do what it does best, which is to clean, to purify, and to flow. And one of my favorite things about this is that when you drink the water and pee it out, it's still structured at the end. So in doing this, not only am I healing my body, and I'm healing the water, and as the water leaves me, it's better off than it would have been if I hadn't taken that step, if I hadn't given it this vessel of recovery. You know, and I think a lot of times about how old water is, you know, it's been the same water forever. Ever since I learned about the water cycle, right, the infiltration through the earth and the evaporation into the sky and the condensation into the clouds and the perspiration back down in little raindrops. It was one of my favorite things to learn about as a kid. I remember that day so clearly because it just went on forever. I said, oh, this is cool. So where does it start? And they're like, oh, you can start anywhere in the cycle. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you start anywhere. This is just what water does. And at any given moment, there is a ton of water in any given stage, any given state, any given part of this process. With the attention to Vessel, you know, and coming into this age of Aquarius, um, I've become quite fond of structuring my water. And I want to make sure that it is available to anyone who wants to hold space for that sort of a process in their life. Um, so because of that, I am actually going to start selling them. Um, so if you're interested, if you have any questions, um, definitely reach out to me. 
I would love to help you structure some water in your life. Um, and even if you don't want to invest in one of these vases right now, uh, there are some other things that you can do to help heal your water before you engage with it as well. Um, which would be things like creating a little bit of a vortex within a bottle, letting it flow freely. I think also gratitude goes a really, really long way. Again, Dr. Emoto's water experiments, you can look them up. Um, saying nice things to your water really does matter. Um, paying attention to the vessels that you're putting your water in, the glasses that you're drinking out of. I really like to rinse my cup off before I fill it with whatever I'm going to drink. And as I rinse it off, I just imagine it clearing the energy of the vessel um, so that it's not like imprinting into my water. Especially if you live with someone that hates to do their dishes because you know those dishes are going to be full of the energy of chore. Um, no offense, I get it. You know, it's hard to chop, chop wood, carry water every day. It's the expression they use for these things like dishes, right? Chop wood, carry water. Very Saturnian ideal. These things we must do to stay going. So this idea of all water being the same thing. And then the honoring of the vessel that allows for individuality. That sort of reminds me of like reincarnation, but can also be visualized as just the same water poured into two cups and then communed with, you know, being this human condition of ours, even during the holiday of the Super Bowl. Right, this collision, this colliding, like it almost reminds me of two glasses like slamming into each other. And I mean, I guess that's technically a form of communion, too. So the vessel really reminds me of this dichotomy of the need for uniqueness and the need for belonging. And this is another really big theme for Aquarius. Like, they're often considered kind of weird, kind of weirdos, but also, like, total humanitarians. Um, you know, I've met a lot of Aquarius people who... Uh, tell me they feel like an alien for one reason or another, you know? Whether they actually think they're from a different planet or if they just feel kind of weird, kind of strange in their skin here, strange in their vessel, you know? Um, but the uniqueness, the quote-unquote quirkiness that gets attributed to this sign makes me think about the dichotomy of how we need to be unique and we also need to be and a sense of belonging. So, you know, in order for me to, to walk into a group and to feel loved by that group, I need them to acknowledge my similarities enough. I need to feel that there are similarities between us and that they can look me in the eye, water to water, eye to eye, and say, you are not so different from me. And also, in order to feel safe in a group when I walk in, I need them to look at me and to be able to say, you are different. Or more so, I need to be able to feel that I have difference from these people. Because when I say I have difference from these people, I have a difference from this group that I am sharing similarities with, but I have difference from... When I acknowledge that, it becomes not a threat when they say something I don't agree with. 
If I allow myself difference and individuality from the group that I am a part of, it is not a threat when they say something I don't agree with because I can just make a mental bookmark that says, that's not mine. But I witness it. To acknowledge the similarity and the sameness of like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, like, we really are all made of the same stuff. You know, I'm going to decompose pretty much the same way that you do and wherever my soul came from, And wherever your soul came from, I'm not so sure we were always in separate containers. And I think if you put us in the same container, we might kind of be about the same thing, give or take the influence of the vessel. You know, that feels a little uncomfortable for a moment because it's like a threat to my individuality. And this is the point that I'm trying to get at. To acknowledge the difference between us makes it more comfortable to acknowledge the similarity and to acknowledge the similarity makes it more comfortable to acknowledge the difference and then i worry about the impact of your energy on mine if we are all the same thing and i start to overemphasize the vessel to keep me safe from the otherness i'm completely forgetting the nature of water and that it flows and it bends and it moves and its structure changes and structure will open when it is just given the opportunity to flow in a natural way and that fear is the thing that causes it to constrict but that if given freedom and space to flow it will truly return to a open divine state that is comfortable for all So that's a good thing. And you get to define things for yourself. I don't get to define things for you. Don't let other people tell you what's what. I mean, seek information. Listen to to people you trust. But you get to decide who you trust. And know that you have access to the totality of all of it on your own as well. In a more spiritual sense. If that sort of thing is your cup of tea. And if not, there's plenty of other other beverages out there for you, you know. But either way, I think it's very important that you stay hydrated. <laughs> okay? Alright. This is a series called Solo Soliloquies. Where I come to you on my own. This has been an Aquarius episode. Where I have crafted a little vessel to bring you a little sip. Consider it a sample, but you know where to go if you want the rest. It's that inner indigo.